the surveyor in front glanced, glanced back towards Tompkins, uh, who had been talking to him moments before, to find that he had suddenly and inexplicably gone. Even stranger was he was wearing clothes that weren't his. He had a strange bag of maps, running shoes and glasses with him that he didn't recognise. Cappy firmly instructed the boy to defecate on a piece of paper. And when he refused, she became increasingly agitated and repeatedly asked him to do so. Uh, when he was initially questioned, he claimed that the only memory he had was being dropped off by a big red truck in Sacramento, after which he had felt compelled to go get a haircut and then buy a phone and call his wife. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us. Uh, we are the Steedcast. My name's Tom. I'm going to be a host today. My cat is ripping my earbuds out. I uh, hope you're all doing well. Uh, to to my uh, to my sides here, I think, or maybe to, to down there somewhere, uh, is uh, Rich and Burra. I uh, hope they can say hi. Are the mics working? Hello. Yes, sir. One, two, check. Check, check, check. Um, yeah, uh, how are you guys doing? Everything, everything going all right? All good, man. Uh, all good, yeah. man. Uh, yeah. Not too nice. bad, but not too bad. Nice. As you can see, we're uh, we're missing a member of uh, of the cast today, and I think uh, this one's actually going up late as well. I can only apologise for for the lateness, there, the tardiness. Uh, some things Brian are cropped up. Yeah. <laughs> some technical issues that we had to sort out. We can't really blame um. it on COVID anymore, so we'll blame it on Putin <laughs> instead. I think. Yeah. Uh, anyone been up to anything then besides? Watching the news um, and me and Richard have been very busy with our, our musical endeavours recently, haven't we? And all that uh, we have. That's been something we've been working on. Our yeah. our band, led by Lions, um, went into the recording studio uh, this month or February to um, to record some tracks, and it's the first time in seven years, eight years, eight eight years it would be now. Eight possibly, yeah. yeah eight yeah. years that we've been in the studio. Um, and our, fir was... our first, um, our first with our new vocalist Liam as well. Yeah, and we had the first great, track. We had the first track back um, the other day, and had yeah. a listen to it, and it's it's great. Like it's it's probably the one of my favorite, well, probably the best sounding songs I've ever recorded in a band. I think. When can we hear safe it? To say, um, we're hoping in the next month or two that we're going to get them out. Um, nice. Yeah, we do a video and whatnot and things as well. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure people will mind if you uh, if you share it on the on the Steecast channel, like so. So the viewers yeah, can, yeah. can have a listen. Yeah. More than happy to, to give that a shot. Uh, anything yeah. else be going on? Or has it just been consumed by music, which isn't too bad? Mm, not <laughs> Pretty much, much going on. Really, went to a couple of gigs for a change for the first time in yeah. forever. Any good you ones? Go to gigs like uh, for a friend. I saw. Uh, yes, yeah, I saw Fina for a friend. Are last we... night, was it the night before? Possibly. <laughs> last night? No. I no, went I to see Fiona for a friend last week um, at the beginning of their tour. And then I was there a week or so earlier, me and Gareth, we went to Pale Waves in Cardiff. Pale Waves is another that was one, a different. Yeah. That was a different gig. It's not a gig uh, we normally go to. But, um, Pale Waves, to they, see, sound, uh... they sound quite... Um... Some quite from the name and picking up like an indie experimental kind of uh, yeah. band. Yeah, you're kind of along the right lines. They're from Manchester. Um, I think they were originally sort of like new wave, weren't they? But they've veered more they started into started off as, as quite indie. Yeah, yeah but they veered into more Avril Lavigne territory now. I think. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Okay. Um, I'm going to see a flock of seagulls on the 16th. Uh, the classic 80s. Um, 
as you get these bad flock of seagulls I'm going to see on the 16th. Lining up the Beach Boys next to you, son. You've got a full <laughs> holiday there. Huh? Yeah. Is that Kat? What's that Kat's name? Yoshi. Yoshi. Yoshi or Yoshi or Yoshi. It depends how any, how anybody wants to pronounce it. Um, is it a correct <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know if it's a correct That's, that's it. the best answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you pronounce your name? Oh, if you want to really... <laughs> Well, it's like my it's like my surname. My surname can be pronounced Burrow or Burra, depending on people's sort of preference. What okay, about residents? What about Burraf? Burraf. Does it ever get pronounced Burraf? Burra. That's why I said Burra. Burraf. Oh, with an F on oh, the no, end. Bar- yeah, it has. It has been pronounced Burraf. Yeah, it has. Um, when I when I've dealt with certain companies and things like that, it has been pronounced Burraf. Yeah, absolutely has. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's like my name, isn't it? But I I know all about the the plight of people mispronouncing my surname. Even you've probably had Merrick, uh, Mayrick. Merrick, Mayrick, Myrick is how I pronounce it. Yeah. Um, Merrick and Mayrick are the two, especially Mayrick. Mayrick is a is a popular one. I think even I call you Mayrick. I so, apologise, son. I didn't realise. Absolutely. Like Fifteen years later, I've just realised. <laughs> just realised it. Didn't I? <laughs> All of like, there's a lot of my friends that still do it as well, and it's kind of gone over my head now. But yeah, it happens. I remember correcting my English teacher in school once, and she sent me out. Yeah, <laughs> I got sent out once for um. The teacher kept saying questions. Have we said this? I we have. I think we have said this before. Got yeah. <laughs> sent out of class. Mental. Repeating Question ourselves here on the Steecast. <laughs> you tell how much that's haunted me I was like two in that moment <laughs> uh, so you guys might be wondering why I'm in a cave um, I'm pretty much uh, on the hunt for the missing 411 what are the missing 411 you ask I'm glad you asked I'll, uh, I'll tell you in a bit no calm down fucking hell what's the missing 411 Sam uh, so essentially before we jump into that there, this is a very brief overview of uh, an introduction if you will to the missing 411 Kind of um, a beginner's guide, you know, the ins and outs, the ABCs. Uh, so first thing I'm going to do is kind of describe the the guy that, that came up with it, really, the concept of it. His name's David Politis. Uh, his background there, so he spent 20 years on the police force in various roles, such as, like, detective. Uh, he was on patrol divisions and SWAT teams as well, and on the street uh, street crimes unit. In the US, son? Uh, US, all US, this is okay, at the okay, moment. Yeah, there, okay. there are kind of UK... Um, similar similar ones which okay okay may may come into a cast later but this is all primarily us uh, driven at the moment okay. yeah yeah if you don't mind that that is is that is that okay no no i was just wondering if this fella's background was was us at all, oh it? god yeah he's, he's like as as an american as they come like if you see him he's okay, uh okay. yeah a very um he's got a pet eagle and everything uh, yeah oh man peacemaker is so good oh i haven't watched is that a was that an was that a he's, reference he's a that I eagle, completely yeah, accidentally he's, he's got, made? Oh he's got wow! A okay, I'm, I'm, I haven't got round to it yet, so I will get round to it, but I haven't watched it yet. So. Spoiler alert! Sorry, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, now David played has kind of left the um, the crime fighting behind, I guess, and he's now more of a, an investigator and a writer, primarily known for his works on the Missing Four One One series. But before we jump into that, I will preface this cast by saying that David Politis has come under a lot of criticism uh, recently. Uh, for allegedly embellishing some parts of these stories to make them even kind of stranger than they are. 
But the final story that I'm going to share has interviews online with the actual person that it happened to, and it corroborates the story there. Uh, I think Mr. Philippides, who's different to David uh, Politis, very similar sounding names, but he seems genuine uh, when giving the interviews. But, you know, you can look them up on YouTube for yourself and decide for yourselves. Uh, we'll go into more information on that later on. Uh, but a lot of criticism for David Politis, the writer of The Missing 411, appears to come from some of the like pro-Trump statements and people seeming to want to kind of bury his work for his political views. Uh, these are things that do happen in this day and age, but I'd like to kind of steer away from that at the moment if, uh, if you guys are, are cool with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Alright, cool. But as for the other stories I'm going to tell, you'll have to just research uh, yourself there if you want additional information. I'm just going to relay what the missing 411 cases say about them. I'm not going to put my own spin on it. I'm just going to say what the missing 411 says about them. Uh, so, why is it called missing 411? Any of you guys want to kind of hazard a guess? At first, I thought it could have been an, um, a specific number of, of, of people recorded as missing so far. Um, that's, or, that's what I thought. Or it maybe was, um, yeah. a, a number of people within a certain time frame or event, perhaps. Um, I would have thought it would have been like a date or something. That's normally what Americans do, isn't it? Oh, this is a fair guess. Is yeah. I thought uh, I thought the same as Borough, like at the start where it was you know four hundred and eleven people go missing, but in America. 411 is the phone code where if you dial it, it takes you something similar to the operator in the UK, giving you like oh, information okay, okay. about requested phone numbers, uh, generally right. branded as the information line and outdated slang as well in America uh, for wanting more information on something. It's like, oh, what's the 411 on that like? So technically... Oh, right. Oh, okay, that, that, that makes sense now. It's all clicked <laughs> in my head. Yeah, yeah. So missing 411 <laughs> technically means missing information. Ah. Which I thought when I when I looked at was yeah like like it happened to you and I was like yeah. all the cogs kind of turning him so the four one one on the four one one missing four one one there are a series of books bringing to light the disappearances uh, where all might not be as it kind of seems in official reports the majority of these disappearances are from places like as as Burrow said in America they're in national parks. And if you've seen a map of the national parks, you think, yeah, you know, there's no shit that someone could go missing there. I'm sure Richard can overlay a nice map of Yosemite or something. But they're fucking huge, like. Uh, but these cases, yeah, yeah. They, they're extra curious, and some right, you know, some are just downright baffling. Uh, David Politis has attributed a lot of these disappearances to unspecified or unknown causes, leaving a lot of them open-ended and open to speculation, which is why I thought it'd just be perfect for the cast. Uh, what I'm planning on doing is kind of just reading through a couple of the four one one cases and we can just discuss kind of what what we think really happened during that time. Uh, I was that's why I was hoping for Sean was here as well, because he's kind of he's kind of grounded in logic, Sean is. Ironically, <laughs> Sean is just missing right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the thing, like. Sean is the missing four one one. Four one four one two as Barra said earlier. Yeah, four one two. But Politis, he's got like certain criteria as to what meets the missing 411. It's not just just random people going missing. Uh, he's got like a specific profile for the cases that he would consider to be included within the 411. Um, I've got a big list here of, of what they include. Like a criteria, that's the one, yeah. So animal predation would be excluded. So any kind of involvement with, with bears or wolves or that would kind of be discredited yeah, or yeah. just left out. Uh, any mental illness associated with a person or if they've ever threatened to commit suicide, then they wouldn't qualify either. Uh, canine units, uh, when they can't pick up the scent, uh, that's when it kind of piques his interest a bit, where 
these trained dogs that have been trained for years and years and years and multiple of these like bloodhound kind of dogs where they just can't pick up the scent there that's when he knows he's on something and also when professional trackers trails go cold or there's just straight up no tracks to follow uh changing weather is, is apparently a pretty big one i can't understand why he kind of classes this as criteria but changing weather either associated with a missing person or at the start of the search and rescue any, i guess any? i guess it would be because of like snow for example um okay. and rain i know from when i remember when i had my car stolen they couldn't take fingerprints on the door because it had been raining uh, okay okay so it's probably just stuff like that I suppose that uh, kind of matches up with the tracks as well, with the tracking yeah. the dogs. So, some yeah. some yeah. things are some things are, are considered an act of God as well. I know from yeah. like sort of like insurance type of things. Certain weather uh, would would be classed as uh, an act of God, uh, as the uh, saying goes. True enough. Uh, true enough. But uh, the other one then, uh, the other couple. Uh, if the person is found, they're often found in an area that has been previously searched, sometimes as much as seven or eight times. So a highly trafficked area. And then all of a sudden, someone just appears there, and you know, no one, no one knows how. Uh, the missing people are found with clothing removed or shoes removed. Uh, the average time of disappearance is four p.m., which is I found quite oh, funny. Yeah. Like four p.m., which is More a weird. Daylight. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You, you'd expect them to be in more in the nighttime, but as you said, broad daylight. Uh, the missing persons, when they're found, they often have a lack of memory, don't remember how they got lost or what predated them being lost or even how they got found in some cases. Uh, they're often found near water or like, like just lakes usually or boulder fields. I don't think we have boulder fields over here, do we? Do I know what a boulder field is? Um, Explain to me a boulder field. A field of boulders. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. It's, it's literally just like a standard like field a you see just like, just, is, just, is it like the Nevada desert? Like... You got loads of rocks and not even that. It's like that. just full on crammed boulder fields. I, 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 I'll send you a picture and we'll overlay it on this. Right. <laughs> sort of like some some of islands island scenery is very sort yeah of, uh, yeah I, I suppose and... yeah similar too. Oh, so just like a mountainside basically. A mountainside just covered in boulders or like bold. <laughs> it's, it's hard to explain yeah, without yeah. seeing it. <laughs> <It's>... yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the point of separation would be the next one. So if a group of hikers uh, separates this, or say a slot went out hiking and we just like, oh, I'm going to go for a piss for there, uh, then it's as if the, the missing person that went for a piss just disappears, that there's no track of or sight of them walking away or running away. They're just gone. Uh, the distance travelled is a big one. So young kids travelling impossible distances in the night that are not even hardened like survival men could follow when trying to recreate the path. Sometimes like eight to twelve miles that children have travelled oh, within scary, like eight hours. That's it on on rough mountains and like dense woodlands as well. So like tough terrain to to cross. Uh, equipment mal malfunction. So aeroplane crashes within the area. Whether uh, like sometimes a compass. You know he pulls it out and it's just spinning round. So like mm. magnetic interference, I guess. Uh, if the per if the person is found deceased, the coroner can't determine the cause of death. And the last one would be a geographical cluster. So what that means is essentially just a certain point on a map where there's like a hotbed of disappearances that are happening. And apparently there are 62 clusters within North America, the largest Jeez. cluster being Yosemite National Park. 62. Bloody hell. Shit so is, is would, would an example of one of them be the Bermuda Triangle then? 
Yeah, yeah, actually. Uh, apparently there's a similar Bermuda Triangle in, in Yosemite Park and a few other places. Ah, but uh, okay. yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. Okay. You got me thinking uh, I might want to research the Bermuda Triangle a bit more. Yeah, that, I was just going to say that that's, that could be a future topic within itself. Yeah, right there. could be. Um, that's fascinating, always fascinating. So uh, that could be one to pencil in sometime. Yeah. I always think I always think of the the episode of Scooby Doo when when they they're on a cruise ship and they go through the Bermuda Triangle, and when they go through the triangle, the ship that they're on just turns into this massive monster ship, and everyone <laughs> turns into monsters. Like, what the hell's going on now? <laughs> Classic Scoob. Yeah. Too many Scooby snacks as well. <laughs> Tripping balls. <laughs> so they are. So if anyone listening has any opinions on these following stories, please let us know in the comments below. Some of them are quite similar to the Dyatlov Pass incident, which we covered on our Unsolved Mysteries episode, the first Unsolved Mysteries. So if you enjoy this episode, please go check that out. This, uh, it should be in the videos. Did we do a video? We can pop, pop a link in. Yeah, it's, there's no video for the Dyatlov Pass one, I don't think. Um, but uh, yeah, we can pop a link in below to that. Yeah, in the description. Yeah, cool. Cool. So it was really interesting. That was that was during the audio only days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Way back before COVID. Hi. Good yeah. lord. Uh, so viewer viewer beware. Viewer discretion is advised. Some of these cases don't always have a happy ending. I'm not gonna go into too much graphic detail, but just you just you know. Be some, sometimes people die like it's yeah. gonna happen. So, right. Uh anyone wanna jump in with anything before we uh Dive into the stories. I'll jump in, man. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm uh, fully engaged here. I'm, in, I'm enjoying. I'm very much enjoying uh, the experience because this is something that I, I really don't know anything about. Yeah, so. same. It's a yeah. learning experience. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's I'm what I'm reading. Hoping. I'm reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Like. So the first one we're going to dive into is a guy called Christopher Tompkins. And uh, this one is credited. I'll give uh, full credits after the stories of each one I, uh, I read here. So the day of January the 25th, 2002, started off like any other day for 20-year-old Christopher Tompkins. He got up, said goodbye to his mother, who he lived with there. He left for his job as a surveyor at 8-10 a.m. in the morning. Tompkins met up with three other members of his four-man surveyor team, and they went about the daily routine of surveyor work at the expanse of a lightly wooded area off Country Line Road near Highway 85 in Ellerslie, I want to say Georgia. The team moved as a unit there, so each man was spaced about 50, 50 feet apart in a line as they walked their way in the same direction through the forest. So each person could see the person in front of them, essentially. So Tompkins, who was the last in line, was keeping regu regular communication with the others, and he had the man in front of him, uh, you know, they were within eyesight of each other, they also had uh, radios, I'm reasonably sure. But at one point, the surveyor in front glanced, glanced back towards Tompkins, uh, who had been talking to him moments before, to find that he had suddenly and inexplicably gone. It didn't make any sense, because the man had just been there several seconds before, but now there was nothing, and no way that he could have uh, gone without being seen. The surveyor called the others and they searched the area, but what they found only made things kind of weirder. Uh, nearby was one of Christopher's work boots hanging from a barbed wire fence that stretched to the area with no sign of the other boot. In a patch of grass next to the boot where his work were like tipped out were his work tools, uh, blue fibre from his work pants and 12 cents. Uh, you know, that's, that's American money for... Money, yeah, money, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cash, cash, cash. 
So that was it, and it seemed that Christopher Tompkins had simply just blinked out of existence there. It would not be until 1pm, after four hours after the disappearance there, that one of the other surveyors would finally call to the boss to say that Christopher had vanished, and oddly enough, the missing man's own mother would not know about the incident until 4.15pm. Uh, even after she was informed, they even waited 24 hours to like inform the police uh, to do anything. And when the authorities finally stepped in, they were not able to find any additional clues as to what happened to him. A more extensive search was then launched after the police kind of hit a dead end, but nothing was turned up until months later when the missing work boot, you know, they found the one on the, on the barbed wire, but the other one there, uh, was found by chance on a private property of a man who lived 900 yards from where Christopher had gone missing. Uh, how this man, you know, how did this man just go missing in practically the blink of an eye in full view, only to leave behind just one boot with all the coins on the ground? Was it possible that he was, you know, maybe lifted up and turned upside down? Because how else would those those coins fall yeah, out of his trousers? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's mad. Like, but so uh, where where could he have gotten so fast as well, where nobody could? find him when they realise he's gone missing and why were there no other signs of any anywhere like what happened to Christopher Tompkins what do you reckon man on you that's it though he's not been found he's, oh, just, he's still missing he's just gone so yeah. it was 2002 was it you said was it uh yes I think it was of January. 25th of January he's still missing as, as of March 2022 that's insane yeah yeah isn't it like is, mobile phones were they a thing back then how old was I they were they were Would they, can just I, can I, bad. Can, I, can, I just, can I just ask Tom, and it's okay if you if you don't know the particular answer, but um, would is there a certain amount of time gone missing where they sort of they they can or, or indeed will perhaps pronounce that person dead, or is that? I is that, is that I don't think they I don't think they can do that. I think it's um like um Terry Pratchett said, missing presumed dead. I guess, but presumed I mean, dead. Is it like, I I, yeah, I don't I don't think without definitive proof you can really. Class someone as dead? No, I said tonight. I, I, it's just, uh, just a strange one. It's a strange one. Um, for example, um, the guitarist from the Manic Street Preachers um, is is a very notable um, missing person. Uh, Richie Edwards, I believe his name was, wasn't it? Um, he's, I, d- I he's don't know still, anything about. He's he's still missing. I'm I'm not sure if they did actually sort of declare him uh, deceased though. I can't really remember that. But um, that's a that's a local. Uh, missing person story at least and uh, if anyone does want to look into one point there's the uh, the missing uh, uh, former obviously now guitarist of Mind Street Preachers story I think he was last seen on, on uh, so many of the uh, the Bristol uh, channel somewhere oh aye well, he car, just, he just was, his, same his kind of thing his found, body was never discovered body never like. discovered or any trace of apparently sightings were seen of him in like India and places like that but <laughs> yeah yeah, there's nothing yeah. concrete, and he's still he's still uh, he's still missing. His family still gets royalties though, um, from from the records I believe and all that, and he still gets money from things he does. It's obviously his family do or whatever, but um, yeah, that's that's a very notable um, person. One that came to the top of my head. That's all. Um, as far as this story goes, I I have no idea. Uh, so there was like there was no blood or anything. No, no blood. The, the weird thing is that no one heard him. Like, if he was in distress, say yeah. a bear come yeah. along and took him off, you'd hear that. You know, and there'd be traces of that as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There'd be, a, I, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm leading towards he was physically lifted off the ground by something. It does, I mean, with, with his, the contents of his pockets on the floor, it, you know, I, I can't explain it. Like, I, do I don't want to. Do you know, 
you know when you say do you know when you say fragments of his pants? We mean pants as in as in trousers. Jeans. Trousers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. American not, pants. Yeah, not like <laughs> underpants. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um. So I'm guessing it were fragments of his of his ripped trousers or whatever then. Perhaps. But his boot came off and was found where he was where he disappeared from, or on the barbed wire fence nearby, and then. That, that that must mean he must have traversed this distance, what, well, nine hundred yards. I know it's not much, but with only one boot, why would you just decide to do that one day? Do you think it was possible something flung him through the air, or, or um, you know, could could have could have something something could have, as you said, lifted him up, tipped him upside down, and, and carried him somewhere. Are, are, are there are there often often thoughts or links, perhaps, to extraterrestrial activity within this? Uh, I bet there are. Yeah, I bet there the, are. David Politis doesn't necessarily say what he thinks happened to them, but he kind of alludes to it. And um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to. I'll get into that towards the end. No problem. No problem. No problem. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to like um, muddy the waters, like as they say. No, muddy waters. <laughs> but that right up there with Christopher Tompkins, that was uh, credited to MysteriousUniverse.org. I appreciate them doing that, and I had a little look around that website. It's really good. Suggest uh, if anyone's born. are there are there sort of any any theories perhaps that someone has come up with in relation to this Christopher story? Uh, a couple which are prominent throughout the missing four one one. The the first one being because uh, you know I I've looked into this probably a little bit more than you guys. Uh, the, yeah. the first one being, and I hate to say this, but Bigfoot. Okay. I That's hate to say Bigfoot. it. Yeah. So there's the cryptoid, uh, the cryptid kind of um, element of it. Then there's, as you said, the UFO, the paranormal kind of elephant, uh, elephant element. Yeah. And there's just um, the kind of human element then where he just snapped and just went off. Like, you know, all of these stories kind of revolve around one of those three things happening, which I suppose in life is a, you what know, about, you can set up for anything in life. What about the, the coming together of two separate universes where they cross over and then he disappears within the two? <laughs> yeah, that's another not, one. Parallel dimensions is oh. also it's quite, brought up. It's quite, it's quite possibly into some sort of um, portal or, or vortex, is that the word? Some sort of... If, know, we, if, if there's ever... Gateway, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a... Yeah. Uh, the good a good example of this is the the TV show Fringe, and I can't recommend that show enough. It's quite old now. It's like again, like fifth. Oh God, it's getting on now. <laughs> it's about thirteen <laughs> years old at this point. Um, but there's an episode of that where two parallel dimensions clash, and there's a guy. I'm sure I've mentioned this before. A guy who's in um, who's like dead on the floor, and they and they find him. It says, "Tell my family." you know i love him or whatever and he dies but when they actually checked his prints or whatever he lived alone he's never had any family whatsoever but then when they eventually go to the other universe he lived a completely different life to that and he had a family and all that stuff but his two beings basically came together and meshed well, and that's, and... that's how he dies yeah <laughs> oh rough <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's rough but yeah that show was great great that, that that's the sort of show that would tie in with uh with this sort of stuff like yeah but yeah, um yeah. but yeah this uh not to say i believe in parallel dimensions and clashing <laughs> together um, it's fun to entertain isn't it? it is it it's is fun to yeah. entertain uh yeah i'm currently watching twin peaks uh re-watching it like and oh my god what a show i'm telling you guys stick stick with twin it peaks really good. is um something we, we were going to discuss at one point i think it probably will happen when sean's back and things and 
yeah, I, 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 I believe, I believe that was on a, on a, on a future uh, upcoming. I hope so. I really hope so because yeah, yeah. there's spoiler so alert, much, so alert. much to dive into in that. Yeah. Uh, right. In that case, I'll just uh, plow on with the next one. So what I've done is I've selected diff, like I've tried to pick very different stories. So the first one I started with was kind of bare bones. Some of goes missing and nobody knows. These next ones get a little bit more strange, right? Just oh, just yeah. to prepare you. But on the morning of strange. We can do strange. Uh, so we got Stephen Kubaki, his name is. Oh, what a name. Yeah, class. Uh, <laughs> on the morning of February the 20th, 1978, near Lake Michigan. Uh, Mich- Michigan? 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 Honestly, that name, like you could Michigan. swap it around and do and, and say something completely different with it. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. Right, so on uh, on the morning of February the 20th, 1978, near Lake Michigan, 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 uh, student Stephen Kabaki would venture out uh, to indulge in several hours of skiing. However, when he hadn't returned the following day, a huge search was set into motion. Strangely and ominously, though, footprints were discovered in a location where the student claimed to be heading. And what's more, they stopped right at the frozen water's edge. There was no sign of any markings on the frozen surface of the water, and no sign that the ice had been broken anywhere. Later that day, Stephen's skis and backpack were discovered, however, no other sign of Stephen came to light. Uh, the searches were eventually called off and his family, well, not giving up hope, they did you know, prepare for the worst as, uh, as imagine you would. Then 14 months later, in early May 1979, Stephen would appear out of the blue on his parents' doorstep. He had very little memory of where he had been. He had awoken earlier that day in a field in Pittsfield. 720 miles from where he discovered and around 64 kilometers which is 40 miles uh, from the family home even stranger was he was wearing clothes that weren't his he had a strange bag of maps running shoes and glasses with him that he didn't recognize and uh, that is essentially it but after that kind of ordeal happened to him he uh, he was already you know a clever guy he uh, had a degree in linguistics already before he went missing uh, but he was so fascinated by his own case that he went on to earn a PhD in psychology. He wanted answers about his own disappearance, kind of researching himself in a way there. And yet he still really couldn't couldn't crack the case there. Uh, solving the mystery of his own missing has become like an obsession. And he went on to publish a book called Meta-Mathematical Foundations of Existence, Godel, Quantum, God and Beyond. Jesus, what title. Yeah. He sounds a very, very intelligent um, man, though, in fairness. That's it. And in that book, guess what he writes about? Mission 411. The possibilities of alternate universes. Oh, oh okay. Chances, like. Okay, okay. But um, that one is mad, like. Like, no idea how he got there. 720 miles from where he disappeared. 720 miles. Like, that's a long distance. Yeah, and like the foot, the the footsteps stopped at the lake. Yeah, right at the water's edge. Hmm. Fourteen months one. later, as well. Like you know, it, uh, this one leans more. I'd say personally, if we were entertaining uh, things, it, it would lean more towards like the UFO side of things to me. I'm so, I'm saying airlifted again. I'm saying airlifted, beamed, airlifted. It does, yeah. It's like flight to the navigate the stuff. You I know, he's that. living with the aliens for a while. I wonder if he ever showed signs of being bipolar. 
Well, that was one of the prerequisites, wasn't it, for Politis, if he had any kind of mental illness or yes, suicidal tendencies. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, he, he could have struggled with it internally and never expressed it to anyone, I, I guess. But uh, this one, very peculiar. There's a weird one. I don't, I, I don't know what the explanation is. Because what well, he, he was found with like a bag of maps. Uh, even stranger, he was wearing clothes that weren't his. He had a strange bag of maps, running shoes, and glasses with him that he didn't recognise. The glasses gets me. So it tells me that he, when he was obviously when when he was gone, he was talking to people. Some because he'd have to get clothes from somewhere. He'd have to get those glasses from somewhere. True, true. So I wonder, I, oh, it'd be very interesting if like one day someone recognised him and he calls him a completely different name. Yeah. And then, you know, it just randomly comes across him. And like to do that, you would kind of have to get a radius of where you were, I guess, found or where he thought he was, he woke up from and then just do like a big radius around that and see if anyone recognised him. I wonder if that he probably did something like that. He sounds like a te- intelligent guy, but could could the could the maps link into perhaps he was trying to find his way home, or people were helping him find his way home? It could have been, but I mean, been. there would have been easier ways home, like than this than... would this would have been sort of like pre sort of internet sort of maps and and, and oh yeah, nineteen seventy eight, seventy nine, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so it's very possible that he gathered these these maps and materials from somewhere, or had help. Um, gathering such materials and things from along the way, he could have even stole them from hikers, I, I guess, or, or like yeah, all of them know, from hikers. So, did he have his wallet and stuff on him when he went missing, or was that uh, found in the? Stevens skis and backpack were discovered. However, no other sign of Kubaki came to light. Doesn't say. Doesn't say. But that's a good point there. You know, if he had cash on him, then it'd make the journey a bit easier. Yeah. 720 miles, 14 months. It's possible he could walk that distance in that time, I guess. Yeah. That's like Forrest Gump levels, though, isn't it? <laughs> it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Especially from... the shake of it, like. Yeah. Consi- considering he was skiing as well, I bet the terrain where he started weren't yeah. the best, like... And, you know, ski shoes uh, or the boots you wear to go into skis, they're not just normal oh, the, boots. The ones that clip, is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. But I wonder if um, it probably has, but possession, is that has that been another reason for... Uh, it's not been brought happening? up in what I've seen, but I mean, it does make sense. You know, the amnesia and the kind of out-of-character personality traits, I guess. Yeah. Because like if you, based on shows uh, I've watched, uh, like Supernatural, when when a person gets possessed, they kind of just like lose what they're doing, and they're just a literally a vessel. And uh, I I don't think they can see what's happening anyway. But yeah, yeah, that's it. Just like yeah, just driven to this spot. But yeah. What does science say on all this, though? Like, what, 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 have, what, have, uh, what, what have science said on it, then? A logical science? and Well, he was a PhD in psychology himself. Well, this is it, isn't it? I, I, I don't know. He I must know. be incredibly grounded, though, because, like, a lot of people that would go missing and came up found with that level of weirdness would probably just be scarred for life and be 
useless. But he's managed to like Dive pick his life it. back up and you know make something. Top selling book, I imagine as well. Is it a good seller? I'm not too sure on that one, but I I do know that he um he kind of shut himself away from the media. Like he he didn't want to no make press, money no. make make money off off mm. that in in that way at least. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting one that I thought. Anyway, uh, sources for this one are listverse.com, obviously the missing 411 books, and uh, this one's a good one, www.top10s.net. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, all these are verified uh, missing 411 stories, just that was the easiest place to kind of uh, strip it from, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, the next one, got a bit of a bit of a spin on it. This one, I when I was reading it, I thought I'd put it in because it's it's quite entertaining, but I don't know if it really meets the criteria. But um, let's let's dive into it anyway. But uh, the next one, as I said, that it's out there even by the misinformed standards. But um, on October the first, twenty ten. So was that twelve years ago? We're getting closer. We're getting closer. That's it. Three and a half year old John Doe. They call this one. So this is like a an anon, pretty much. And That's his relatives. Name, isn't it? That's it, yeah, it's like anonymous. Uh, him and his relatives, though, three and a half years old this kid was, they were camping by a pop, like a popular fishing location near Mount Shasta. Mount Shasta, I'm not sure about that one, but uh, around 6pm, the child's parents realised that their son had suddenly gone missing. According to Mr Doe, his youngster there, uh, there was he was there one second, just gone the next. They scoured the area that he'd been last seen in like a panic-stricken horror, but they just couldn't find anything. After hours of feverishly searching for the little boy, he'd still not turned up. Now desperate, the distraught father decided to call local police deputies and the forest, uh, the forest service, the U.S. Forest Service. Uh, rescue personnel combed the forest well into the night, and yet there was no sign of the toddler. Five hours after John had disappeared, authorities found him laid down in a bush directly next to the trail that had been previously searched. Uh, he appeared to be dazed and in like a semi-conscious state. Mr. and Mrs. Doe attributed his exhaustion, and uh, you know they attributed his state to exhaustion, I should say, and were simply grateful that their little one had returned physically unharmed. Medical staff gave the full clearance, uh, so the freshly reunited family were permitted to return home, and everyone's lives quickly just just turned back to normal. They kind of forgot about the whole situation there, but. Only a few weeks later, the small boy would share a disturbing tale about his, ho- uh, like his terrifying ordeal, really. Uh, John Doe, he disappeared in the Mount Shasta area of California. One day, John's grandmother, Kathy, who, you know, they, they nicknamed her Cappy, uh, was playing with her grandson. Suddenly, he looked towards her and said that he didn't like the other grandmother, Cappy. Confused, she asked him, like, what, what did he mean by this? But John... He explained that while he was lost in the woods, as best as he could, you know, three and a half year old, uh, but, but he had been taken deep inside a mountainside cave by a woman he thought that was his grandmother, Cappy. She led him into a cool, dark, spider-infested room with motionless humanoid robots, uh, scattered across the floor with dusty purses, guns and various types of other weapons. As John anxiously faced his grandparent, he noted that there was like an eerie, radiant light coming from her head. In this moment that he realised that she was not his real grandmother, Cappy firmly instructed the boy to defecate on a piece of paper, and when he refused, she became increasingly agitated and repeatedly asked him to do so. Eventually, the grandmother lookalike, she succumbed to the frustration and moved on to a different topic. Allegedly, she informed 
Now, she informed John that he had been planted in his mother's womb and was actually from outer space. Shortly after this extraordinary account, she took the boy back outside to the thicket and advised him to wait for help, where he was found uh, later on. Supposedly, John was brought deep inside the underground cave system where he saw dirty persons and guns upon her in the disturbing story. An outraged Cathy called her son and demanded to know, like, what he was allowing his grand grandchild to watch on TV. Where did he come up with these, like, stupid, fantastical stories and these ideas for this story? But Mr. Joe lamented that uh, he had heard the identical recollection only a few days prior. Initially, the two chalked it up to, like, uh, you know, the overactive imagination of a kid. Uh, yet the more Kathy thought about it, the more John's story did kind of perplex her. What kind of TV show would feature some of those crazy topics that the boy described? And even more chilling was the idea that she might have some kind of doppelganger assuming her identity in order to kind of abduct innocent victims, which is crazy in itself. Uh, with those particular thoughts in mind, Kathy decided to share a haunting experience of her own. So only a year before that she, you know, only a year before this, uh, she had gone camping on a camping trip within close proximity to where John's ordeal occurred. In the morning, she walked face down in the dirt. Somehow she had been in, like unexplained uh, and removed from her sleeping bag within her tent and transferred to a short distance away. Upon waking, she felt an intense pain in the back of her neck. Two puncture wounds were present and the surrounding skin was red and inflamed. Another friend who accompanied her on the excursion there suffered uh, matching afflictions, so puncture wounds in the back of the neck, and the pair originally attributed these injuries to a possible spider bite. Uh, the only thing Kathy remembered about the ordeal was glowing red eyes peering through the darkness. Both Kathy and her travel companion became violently ill. In fact, she was so sick that she couldn't even muster the strength to pack up her things. Her mind raced as she desperately tried to recall what happened only mere hours ago. But the only thing surfaced uh, was the glowing red eyes that she could remember. So, while she was drifting into slumber, she remembered seeing several creatures gazing through the darkness. At the time, she assumed that they were uh, produced by a herd of deer, but now she's starting to kind of uh, double-guess herself, uh, I guess. But following the, the traumatizing outing, Kathy felt completely drained of her creativity and emotions. Several months would pass before she felt like her old self again, and admittedly, Grandma Cappy would have dismissed her episode had John not come forward with his first-hand encounter. Legends and lore pertaining to Mount Shasta, I, I cannot pronounce that, uh, have existed throughout the centuries. Indigenous Wendigo. Tri uh, Wendigo, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Indigenous tribes, tribes people chronicled the fallen race of prehistoric giants that were said to inhabit the region. Others claim uh, to have known as the Lumerians, used local caves as entrances to underground crystalline cities called Telos. Uh, some allege a large energetic vortex is present within the territory. In modern times, there are many UFO and Bigfoot sightings reported within that area too. Each year, 26,000 vid visitors flock to the revered mountain from countries across the globe. Uh, there's been an alarming high number of curious missing person cases within the picturesque terrain. Whilst John Doe's incident seems unbelievable, it's important to, to consider the odd history and happenings afflicting the area. An open mind may be the only thing to finally resolve this age-old mystery. That one's mental. I know that one's mental. It's far too much to take in, but that's insane. All that is insane. <laughs> I, I can't even process that. That's, that should be like a, a plot to a film. Could, be a, a film could definitely be a film. So, essentially, three-and-a-half-year-old kid gets lured into a cave by a 
robot doppelganger grandmother gets asked to shit on a bit of paper. <laughs> my um my 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 sort of pick apart of that though is is how sort of that story how was a sort of like three year old child able to sort of transcribe it to that level of what's going on there. Yeah, no, you know I mean? no, I I completely get that. In in the source that I got it from, which is uh, called down the super hole dot com. Check it out. Uh, from from that site, it you know it did say that the kid was speaking in um, three year old uh, uh, three year old language. Talk. Yeah, you know baby talk. Yeah, and um, I don't know, but apparently he showed you know he told the same tale to his father as well as the grandmother, but. You'd be surprised like, like at said, what yeah. you can like, uh, like how 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 much a three year old can actually take in and tell you. Uh, I don't really know any three year olds. How, I don't, how, <laughs> deve- how developed? How developed are three year olds? Could it, could well, they able to have a conversation like? Yeah. That? I, I, well, my niece, my niece is three now, and she's able to have a conversation. It's not like an intricate conversation, very stretch oh, the imagination, no. but I guess you know, she knows a lot of words, and she's able to. Like recall, she recalled something the other day in the car that happened ages. Oh, it was um, uh, a year ago when my sister drove a car into a puddle and she got stuck in the puddle oh, and I she ruined that. the car. <laughs> and I had to go up and pull her out. And she was recalling that, and we were like, "How the hell do you remember that?" <laughs> oh, she, she was like two at the time that that happened. Yeah, that's mental. My mother, my mother reckons it's going to be one of her earliest memories now, getting pulled out of a Look puddle. Car in the puddle. Uh, is she, uh, is she happy with that incident, or was it kind of one of those traumatizing ones? No, no, she's fine with it. She, nice, you know. nice, that's good. That's but good. Uh, yeah, th- but that, that's what I mean. That sort of stuff, and she was able to describe what happened. So, not to to say that like the detail you went into in that is how she described it, but they probably, you know, gathered as much as well as the grandmother's story. They probably put two and two together on that one. I would, I would think, but. Yeah, that's wild. That's that's, it that's is strange. That's, like that's the, the it, got, it, got, it got a little the, bit weird um, around the time of the pooing on the paper. Yeah, yeah. isn't it? Like, what yeah. is yeah, that about? Uh, like, that's where it got a bit weird there. Why would any? Perhaps the robot runs on biofuel or something. <laughs> God, yeah, that one kind of just spun me out. I was like, what? What am I reading at, at that point? Like, as I said though, I'm just repeating what I've read myself. Whether I believe this stuff, neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> right. So on that uh, on that uh, that note, I'll just march on to the final story. <clears throat> this one's actually my favourite one or favourite one so far. Uh, there are thousands and thousands of these missing four one one cases. By the way, these the oh, this is a very um, very very slight amount that that I picked out. I've only got four, but thousands and thousands of them out there for you if you get uh, get bored one day. But the next one is another skier called Danny Philippidis. Uh, very These names, man. They just I pick them. They really do pick them, don't they? <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's very close to actually um, the other one. Uh, David Politis. Yeah, yeah. yeah Danny Philippidis, <laughs> yeah, David Politis. Oh, bit of a burp there. Too much chicken, I tell you. So a sk- skier Danny Philippidis there. Uh, the whole very strange tale that begins in February the 7th, 2018 when 49-year-old firefighter from Toronto, Canada by the name of Konstantinos Danny Philippidis was on a skiing trip to Whiteface Mountain near Lake Placid in uh, New York State. Philippidis was an experienced and avid seasonal skier and when on this trip, so very familiar with his uh, with the surroundings there, went on this trip every year with his co-workers 
On this day, most of his friends had stopped skiing at around 2.30pm, but Philobides, he decided to stay out for a couple more runs there. Uh, at some point, it was noted that the firefighter was nowhere to be seen. Although his skis, boots, passport, identification and car, they were all left behind, seemingly abandoned without any reason. A massive search then, as soon as this was discovered, was all put together. Uh, that found no sign of the missing man. And by massive search, I'm talking like, you know, the local law enforcement, actual trained people that, that are trained, you know, specifically for hunting, well, not hunting people, but finding people. <laughs> but no sign was, uh, was turned up there. Uh, and this search would quickly grow into the hundreds of officials from several agencies, professional searchers and volunteers who scouted the area for six days using helicopters, drones and dogs and any means at their disposal. At no point did the search party turn up any sign of Philippides. Uh, despite the fact that there was heavy snow at the time, uh, it was deemed that he could not have possibly gotten far, you know, trudging in that snow. In addition, the slopes, were, the slopes that he was skiing on, they were very crowded that day, yet no one had seemed to have remembered seeing the missing man or have any idea where he could have gone further in the mystery. Considering that there was no reason why the man would want to run off, authorities began to assume the worst, and it was whispered that he could have died out there in the wilderness, his body still waiting in the frigid cold to be found. The search was called off and Philippides' family and two children were left to wonder what kind of horrible fate had befallen him. It was a tense time overshadowed by a sinister cloud of certainty that he was never really coming back. Uh, then, seemingly out of nowhere, Philippides' wife got a groggy call from a disoriented man who sounded remarkably like her husband, and when he used a nickname that only those two knew, she was convinced that it was him. The strange part of the call is that it was coming from over 2,500 miles away, clear from the other side of the country of, at Sacramento and California. Uh, the call was traced to a rental car area of Sacramento International Airport, and it was deemed by authorities that he seemed to be in trouble with Sergeant Scott Swisher of the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department saying on our end as well uh, on our end as well it left a lot of unanswered questions it was apparent that there was a lot of issues going on with the gentleman very disorientated obviously needing some medical assistance it was thought that he might have been with a kidnapper but police were able to locate the missing man and they found him alone still in his ski clothes and cognizant albeit in a state of like Day's confusion. Uh, it was soon found that he had actually purchased an iPhone for his for the purpose of calling his wife, and that he had gotten a haircut. How mad is that? Like, uh, when he was initially questioned, he claimed that the only memory he had was being dropped off by a big red truck in Sacramento. After which, he had felt compelled to go get a haircut and then buy a phone and call his wife. As to how he arrived in Sacramento, uh, a full country away from where he had begun his journey, he had no memory nor did he have the slightest of, like, slightest of ideas of who it was that dropped him off. He was unable to describe the trucker at the truck or give an estimate as to where or when he was picked up. Additionally, no one in the area of the ski resort remembered seeing a big red truck at this time. The missing man was very cooperative during questioning and let authorities look at the, you know, his bank and cell phone records as well as his medical history, but none of these offered any clue as to what happened to him and offered up no suspicious activity. He was also found to have all of his cash and belongings, suggested that he had not been robbed, and although he claimed to uh, claimed to feel that he had sustained a severe head injury, there was no physical evidence that anything was wrong with him. Clearly not an injury grievous enough to cause such an intense uh, like memory loss. 
Uh, there was also no history of mental disturbance or psychological problems. Uh, he was, by all accounts, a loving family man who was dedicated to the fire department, where he had worked for decades. Uh, it was all a complete mystery as how he had gone to New York, uh, gone to New York to Sacramento, and New York State. Uh, the police, police major John H. Tibbetts Jr. called the whole thing a head scratcher. Very articulate. Philip uh, just continued to, to maintain there. He still continues to this day to maintain the idea that he had no idea how he ended up in Sacramento. He insisted he had no memory at all of the circumstances as to how he arrived there or of the journey itself. And the only clue being that he vaguely remembers being dropped off by that big red truck. But that's it. Uh, making things even more difficult is that all appeals to the public and widespread distribution of his photos looking for anyone who might have seen him along the route or even on Sacramento, they've turned up nothing. Major John H. Tibbetts Jr. Uh, said of the case there that he ended up on the side of the road. Uh, the only one they've got there is the Route 86 uh, just passes through. Uh, they don't have a lot of intense traffic coming up 86. Perhaps an independent trucker offered a ride. Uh, he can't describe the trucker or the truck or anyone. Uh, it may be a mystery. I don't want to say it's a cold case. It was a missing person case. We found him. Technically, he found himself. He wants to find out where he was as badly as we want to find out where he was. If we could have somebody call that, uh, we could actually have proof that they met Danny on the journey across country. It would be a tremendous help. Uh, that's, that's pretty much Danny's story. There are interviews of Danny online there, and he seems really genuine within it. You know, he's, he's just just a down-to-earth guy by the looks of things, and he'll, he goes through the story from start to finish as much as he can remember, at least. Uh, not that that is much, but what was it? 2,500 miles across country, still wearing the same clothes, bought an iPhone, got a haircut, didn't know where he was. Any ideas on this one? <laughs> no. No. Uh, that's a baffling one man um, in a just claims other he than, had other a, than um, the truck driver perhaps who, who uh, would, have, would have hitched a ride with would, would have had some recollection of this that's yeah. it but, but nobody has seen the truck nobody knows what the truck driver looks like uh no trucks yeah. apparently go up by that ski resort, and there's only one road through Sacramento, which is Route 86, and no, nobody saw that. There's not a lot of uh, heavy traffic coming. Did anyone see him get off the truck? No, no, apparently nobody saw him the entire time that he disappeared, apart from when he, he pulled out his iPhone and called, uh, called for help. Jeez. 2,500 miles away, same clothes, Haircut. Haircut. I gotta go to California to get a haircut. I know, right? Mental, like, but um, you know, he said he, he his head was hurting, like he had a, a, an injury, but medical reports turned up that he uh, he didn't really sustain anything that would result in such uh, like an amnesia episode. I don't, I don't know. I I don't know on this one. I mean. Again, uh, alien abduction springs to mind. If if yeah. if we're talking paranormal again, that springs to mind in this one. Yeah. Yeah, that that would uh, that would certainly be a theory. Because yeah. uh, imagine that... an alien just like, you know, dropping him off, going, "You need a haircut." <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps like the alien give him a haircut to like 
fiddle around inside his brain, and that's why he had the amnesia and the bad head. And yeah, <laughs> I don't know, grasping like grasping. Yeah, it could be, it could be demon possession, but could, he could easily be demon possession. Could have been possessed by a demon that needed to get to California for that haircut. For that haircut, or yeah. the demon left his body. Like, before he got a haircut, but before he left his body, he was just like, yeah, you need a haircut. Like, it's not looking good. Like, <laughs> Or perhaps the demon just thought it'd be a laugh to get him a shit haircut. <laughs> and, it, like, as soon as he got the haircut, he left his body. He was like, ah, he got shit hair. <laughs> what a wally. Incredible uh, opinions. <laughs> what a wally. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, uh, I want to credit that one too to, uh, yet again, mysteriousuniverse.org. Uh, again, they're really good. Um, I think they've got a YouTube channel as well as a pretty extensive blog, you know, on all things kind of cryptid, alien, anything paranormal. Really good website if you're into that kind of uh, stuff. Uh, so there we have it, though. Four weird stories in their own right, and there are thousands more just like them. Explanations range from rational theories like amnesia or animal attacks to the paranormal, cryptid, aliens, or vortex into parallel worlds, as you mentioned there. One theory to me that seems to make sense there for myself, at least, is that if you cross-reference a map of the cave systems uh, in the regions where people commonly go missing, so one of these clusters, uh, for example you'll find that there may be like an overlay of locations of some of these disappearances. So there could be some sort of gas within a cave system which induces amnesia effects, leaving victims in like a disoriented state, or these people that go completely missing could just fall into the cave systems, never to be found. But that said, there are some of these stories reported where two-year-old children can cover two kilometers within one hour or tell fantastical stories when later found. So I don't know. I don't know. It's mad. Not to say that, no. I don't know. It's crazy. It's, yeah. So um, I know, obviously, Missing 411 is, is American. Um, do you know of the similar stories or the similar, what would be acronym? Is it an acronym? Yeah, any British for, sort of example. For like yeah. Britain I, or for uh, I know any other they country, really? Around. There's a lot, of, um, a lot of strange dronings in the UK. Not so much missing people, but very strange drownings where where people just just turn up in the water, like just under weird circumstances. And um, I haven't looked into it too much, uh, to be honest, because this one's kind of caught my eye lately. But uh, I probably will look into it a bit more. Seen a few videos on it. People just like you know leave a pub or or leave leave like hanging up with mates, and then they just found face face down in in a river. Like it could just be. Could just be drunken uh, idiocy, yeah. I guess. I, I don't want to call the dead idiocy, but uh, could just be that. But, you know, it's, it's worth looking into. Definitely worth looking into. So I imagine a country like Australia probably has something similar. It seems like a country that would have it because it's got like a lot of forests and, you know, woods and stuff like that. A lot I, I of would, other shit that wants to kill you. <laughs> a lot of other that want to kill you, yeah. Um, I imagine they would have a good, good thing. And maybe... Maybe parts of Central Europe as well might be. Uh, no, doubt Austra- da- no doubt Africa's got some as well. Oh, probably yeah, yeah. a lot in Africa. The thing with Australia is um, people live on the outskirts. Don't they? they don't really yeah. live in the centre. Yeah. Is, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Right? Um, not sure if uh, David Philippides has... I don't know if he's actually written any books outside of the US at the moment. I think he's still building up uh, books now uh, at the moment. Like, you know, he's he's still researching and 
like professionals call him in like police call him in to research this stuff and yeah as i said he never gives his idea of conclusions he always leaves it open-ended which which i appreciate you know even if he does allude to or tailor the story to seem like aliens or bigfoot or or whatever like a robot nannies <laughs> yeah that's interesting though these these sort of things are great and they're always like i was it was the same sort of thing with with gareth's last episode the ufo ones you always find there's tv shows my nan used to watch these shows all the time on like the history channel and you know those the channels that are like at the bottom of the old channels part of sky <laughs> yeah. where you care that you could go past sci-fi and then it's like okay here's the, the weird channels and then that's where you get like all these sort of st- stories of like missing people and ufos and paranormal and all that stuff like it's just so interesting this is and, and like you said there's thousands of them so there's like it's no end and there's still more happening every year so there were some that you know I'd written up that I'd taken out of this script as well, like one about um, father and kid. They they're with like a scout group. Uh, I, you know, forgive me if I butcher this one, but they they go out into the mountains there. They walk in for miles and miles, like across boulder paths and um, boulder fields even. And they're about hundred feet away from where the scout group set up camp, and they're fishing in a lake, and the kid uh, falls into the lake there. He, you know, he, he says he's fine, he continues fishing, and then about an hour later, he's like, I'm a bit cold, I'm just going to go back to camp. So the father's like, all right, no worries. The father could hear the camp from where they were fishing. So, you know, he's like, oh, the kid's fine, you know, sent the kid off on his way back to camp. And within those, like, uh, 100 feet from the fishing place to the camp, where he could hear the people, you know, all laughing and, and around the fire, he the kid had just gone missing, and all there was like thirty people, like campers included, fathers and sons, uh, you know, scouts. I I don't know too much about scouts, but I imagine they are pretty like outdoorsy. They all split up looking for this kid, and the only thing that was found was one wet sock. Nothing else was found. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just baffling. Like a lot of these cases, are it's fascinating to me for the last couple of months. There's a really good YouTuber called Mr. Bolan, actually, that I get this from. He's in an argument with uh, David at the moment, actually, this informant <laughs> one guy, because uh-huh. David gets about 200,000 views on his videos and Mr. Bolan gets, like, 1 million plus. But Mr. Bolan, top fucking notch storyteller. Get on it. That kind of uh, wraps it up, though, or should I say, like, leaves it open-ended. I yeah. Open-ended, open-ended, certainly. Yeah, it'd be interesting for some from people to get involved and uh, let us know what they think about all the all these topics we discussed. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah or, love, or if there's, or if there's some other good stories as well we may have missed and things. Uh, yeah, and, but and it's th- fascinating. All of it is is very fascinating. And some like if there's any from around the world that, that yeah we don't know about. Like I imagine I imagine China's got loads as well. Thinking about it, they must have tons. Yeah, uh, I think good. I think next next up for me I think maybe. I'm not going to say definite, but maybe this Skinwalker Ranch, I might finally knock that one out. Yeah, yeah. So I've got that one, uh, script half done for that, I might get that one done. Uh, Bermuda Triangle, though, I like the sound of that. That'd be a good end, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's fascinating as well. Yeah. It's just turned into like the, the kind of mystery, uh, paranormal kind of uh, season this season. has, hasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it has. Uh... Season-wise, yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, so I think that's actually going to do it from us, uh, unless you guys got anything else to add. No. no, not particularly. No, it's been an enjoyable one. Yeah, I've enjoyed Please. this one. It's great. I'm, I'm glad you've enjoyed. Uh, I've enjoyed yeah, yeah, uh, researching yeah. it, to be honest. But um, yeah, everyone take care. 
Stay safe. Enjoy yourself. Until next time. Bye. Thanks,